Welcome to the summer edition of Published or Not on 3CR, 8.55am online and digital. I'm Ewan Mitchell and for the next half hour I'll be talking books and publishing with our guest authors for the week. So whether you're relaxing on holiday or keeping the country running, I hope you enjoy Published or Not. It's four days before Christmas and the pace of Christmas shopping is becoming frenetic, as are the work Christmas parties and in amongst all this frenetic activity. This morning on Published or Not, we kick off the summer edition with me at the radio panel. I'm Ewan Mitchell and my very special guest this morning is the recipient of the 2016 Patrick White Literary Award. She's had her fiction and non-fiction published since the early 1980s. And today we are featuring her latest collection of short stories titled The Dead Aviatrix. Welcome to Published or Not, Carmel Bird. Hello, Ewan. Good to be here. Great. The Dead Aviatrix has just come out as an e-book and its release has been combined with the launch of a new digital short story award in your name. How exciting is that? It is. And can you tell us how both the e-book and the digital short story award came about? Yes, I can. Well, Spineless Wonders is the publisher and they have published a couple of my things, particularly Dear Writer Revisited and My Hearts Are Your Hearts. And I had eight short stories round about this time last year, maybe, or early, not not last year, this year. Oh, I don't know what year it is, Ewan. <laughs> um, a while ago. I was um, talking to the publisher, Bronwyn, at Spineless Wonders, and I said that I had eight short stories that were being published in journals throughout 2017. And we somehow cooked up the idea that it would be nice Instead of waiting until I had, say, 16 short stories and putting them between the covers of a paperback, maybe it would be fun to put them out as a lovely little e-book, eight little stories in a little e-book, which later on can go into making part of a paperback, but put them out as an e-book for Christmas. And I've got to say, they are a lot of fun. You have a wicked sense of humour, Car- Carmel. The oh, really? satire through these really? stories is just <laughs> uh, really, I, I found it so funny. I'd like to give our listeners a sample of um, some of your humour. So just um, when you're uh, ready, I'll just help you. We've got a the an e-book here. Uh, a Kindle reader. Well, I've just got to get it going. I've got, suddenly I've got my phone one going, but anyway, yeah, your Kindle it suddenly one decided is bigger to, no, here it is. It's all going Here we now. go. Yes, we don't. Yes. It, okay. So what if I read a little bit from one of the stories in yeah. the dead? You say Aviatrix. Well, that's the title. Yeah, but I, I say Aviatrix. Oh, and, and nobody Aviatrix. knows. I've, okay. I've tried to discover yeah. Yeah. from various dictionaries how would be the right way to pronounce it and nobody knows (laughs) (laughs) you can go your way like most people do it the way you're doing it but i i I don't know why i'd like to say aviatrix aviatrix yeah okay now this is the fifth story and this is Mm -hmm. called cactus it Uh, is set in central victoria i just found this i really was rolling on the floor laughing with a satirical sense of humor here (laughs) oh my goodness yes well cactus is a word which to australians has a meaning that perhaps it doesn't have in other cultures. I don't know. But, of course, when we're cactus, we're cactus. Mm, And this is cactus. Massage and mystical vibrations has slash have closed. Wanda and Craig. They argued about the verb. Should it be singular or plural? Hard to say, really. Neither of them could decide. 
Then they tried massage and mystical vibrations, full stop, closed, full stop. That seemed okay. So Craig printed it out in some weird font or other, huge, purple, and stuck it inside the glass on the front door with a picture of a sort of sexy angel. It was the end of dreams, end of what could be called an era, close of business. Mm, Where to from here, though? Let's think. The Victorian town was rural, tiny, very tiny. Once, well, this was long ago, back in what century, the 19th, there had been 15 pubs here. That's how they tell it, how they judge the size of the town back when there was gold. Was there gold all over the place? The fox and hounds, the queen's head, the pig and whistle, that sort of thing. There's still two pubs left, the Traveller's Rest, no apostrophe, the Mermaid Tavern, no mermaid. Not that there are many travellers these days, and there's never been a mermaid, ever. It was nostalgia then, and now it's nostalgia for nostalgia. Four handsome brick churches of four different kinds, now sold off to folks from elsewhere seeking rural charm and something different with cathedral ceilings and maybe a ghost in the crypt. Stained glass windows glowing with pictures of St Agnes plus Lamb, St Catherine plus Wheel, Mary and Jesus on a donkey, sacred to the memory of Julius Dent, Wilhelmina Robinson and other prominent members of the old community. Well, anyhow, Craig and Wanda opened up massage and mystical vibrations in joyful expectation that seekers after truth would come wending their way to the tiny little old town where the creek once ran, if you believe the stories, with flecks of golden gold. Well, it must have, mustn't it? Because all those pubs and those four lovely churches, red brick, pointed in sandstone, warm and golden and ghostly. These days, the banks of the creek are a sea of some sort of huge and threatening cactus, and there's a woman in a small blue caravan under the willow tree. Yellow cactus flowers joyous in the summer, rivers of a kind of pale gold. Talk about spines. The woman in the caravan is Xenia, and she takes all kinds of clients from far and wide across the region and beyond, several discreet gentlemen coming from time to time from the city. She's a legend. Well, the hope was that people would also keep coming for Craig's miraculous massage, for Wanda's violet vibrations, which involved crystals and incense and the quiet, mysterious music of whales and wind. Now, I'll leave it there because I, I won't go on and on reading, but that's, that's a taste of the, of the beginning of the story, Cactus. Beautifully read, too. Um, when you uh, conceive I enjoyed of... writing it and oh, I enjoyed reading it. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> you reminded me of John Lennon saying, uh, thank you for uh, letting us audition for the, uh, uh, the Beatles when he was doing his uh, rooftop um, uh, performance towards the end. Uh, look, the wordplay there is very clear. You, uh, uh, when you start... A uh, short story. Do you uh, look for a subject to satirise, or how do you begin? The subject finds me. Oh. If you want to know about that one, yeah. um, a neighbour of mine needed <laughs> a bit of a massage, yeah. and she's a great believer. I live in the country. I live in yeah. the goldfields. Yeah. Yes, so, um, yeah. and so she's a great believer 
in the particular massage that the lady in the well, you know, there is a lady in a blue caravan. Yeah. Does she do Reiki massage or something? I don't know what she, she does. Some... I don't ask questions. I just drive, right? So my neighbour <laughs> said drive. to me, "Would you?" Well, she was in agony, you know, and she needed yeah. someone to drive her fifty k's or something out yeah. to a place. Which will I name the place? I don't oh, know. Yeah, it's called well, Tarnagulla. Oh, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, many a, anyone who's been to Tarnagulla yeah. will know that's a very clear description of Tarnagulla. What a great name! Okay. Tarnagulla. There's wordplay. In I, I know. How could yeah. how could you not go yeah. to Tarnagulla? And the cactuses there, yeah. and the churches, beautiful, beautiful yeah. old churches, just yeah. break your heart with their beauty. Yeah. Um, what's the question? How how do you get? Oh yes. Well, you see, we go out to Tarnagulla, and my friend went in. Um, to the caravan as a cripple. And I'm not joking. She came out. Healed? Healed. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. so with, with, with crystals and massage? No, 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 and, just massage. Oh, just massage. Just okay. ma- oh, no. There was, wasn't, it's not mysterious. This woman is – actually, she's wow. not there anymore. Okay. So she's a healer? She is a healer. Wow. That's right. Okay. And um, yeah. so this was – well, I suppose it, it was put away in my memory – what a stupid thing to say. I remembered it. Yeah. I remembered taking my neighbour out there and and, yeah. and what happened. And uh, and the impression that I received of the town itself uh, just lodged in my memory yeah. and then surfaced one day as I was writing and became Cactus. And Tarnagala reappeared. Yes. So were you actually present when she came out healed from... Oh yes, I mean she what? just she 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 crept into the caravan, yeah. and quite soon thereafter, yeah. it seemed like fifteen minutes, maybe yeah. it was thirty, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, she she came out and walking towards me and got into the car and oh, no. and how do you feel? Great, okay. but she'd done it before. Yeah, and so there. Well, there might be something more to crystals and vibrations, and uh, that this uh, was a massage. Massage can be quite good, yeah. really, yeah. can't it? Well, I suppose it can, it can be very so. handy. Um, <laughs> now, for people uh, who are not familiar with the Patrick White Literary Award, could you explain to us uh, who is awarded the award and what it means to you? Because you received the Patrick White Literary Award in 2016, I did, did and I was so thrilled. And and it, I felt so validated by the literary community as a writer. Yes. Uh, when Patrick White received the Nobel Prize for Literature... He received a huge sum, not huge, but you know, yep, a nice sum of, yep, money. Good sum of money. And yeah. he generously decided to invest that money in an award which would be given to an Australian writer each year for a body of work. Because yep. most of our prizes, such as the Miles Franklin and I don't know, Premier's Awards and so on, are for a single book. Right. Whereas. He wanted to acknowledge the life in writing of Australian writers, oh, and and to acknowledge the that. So, so yeah. he set that up in the early seventies. Yes. It? Yeah. So I, think it, I, th- I should know the exact time, but I yeah. think it was seventy three, maybe. Yeah. And so, for, and very importantly, as you say, for a lifetime body of work, and your first collection of short stories, if I'm uh, if I've done my research. Correctly. I bet you have. 1981, mm. Demetra collection. Dem- Demetra Demetra was actually 1976, I think. Oh, okay. Yes, all right. yes. Well, That's all right. I mean, yeah. years. What does it matter? Well, this um, is this is why you're here to correct my research. So we actually get it on the record. 76 <laughs> for Demetra. Yes, I think it was 76. Yeah. Um, yes, and then um, 
There was another collection of short stories in 1983. Oh, okay. And that was... Oh, shouldn't go clapping my hands on the radio. That was... um, Births, deaths, and marriages. Okay, mm. all right. So you're now uh, following those collection of short stories. Your first novel, Cherry Ripe, came mm. out in 1986. 19- 86. Okay, mm. well, you just corrected me on that. I had 85. Here, so I'm just putting oh, this look, down. So that's, uh, maybe that's good. it was 1985. I don't. Oh, no, I right. don't really know. I do know the other one was 76. Oh no, it, it's um, mm. you know, the the point being that for uh, a number of decades now, you've got you have uh, got a, a huge body of work. And well, if you can't from 76 to 2017 I think you get quite a lot of decades and that that, uh, is (laughs) a big rosary there uh, it becomes clearer why you got the Patrick White Literary Award now a lot of people will know you through the book Dear Writer which was published Mm. I think in 1988 Mm. but it was revisited or re-released in 2013 Mm. could you explain the format to readers and why that has become uh, an essential companion to people learning the craft of writing. Well, in in when did you say for nineteen eighty eight? Okay, yeah. um, in in the in the middle eighties, yeah. the Victorian government had a department. Oh, we must laugh. Had a department of the arts, oh. and <laughs> and uh, that department. Uh, Organised a, a, a manuscript assessment service. Okay. And I was one of the manuscript assessors. We were all anonymous. I was assessor number eight. Ooh. And um, people would send their work in to me anonymously and I would respond to it anonymously I'm in glad writing. You, I'm glad you waited until the 30-year rule has passed to admit that you were number eight. I was number eight. We might get letters about that. <laughs> yes. Okay. yes anyway, it's I didn't mean eight. to interrupt. I, this okay. is intriguing. So you were uh, assessor so number eight. So I'm, I'm writing all these letters to this, these people I'm calling Dear Writer. Yeah. And they're all different people, but sometimes the same person yep. would would respond back again and I'd respond again and so on. Well, it didn't go on for very long. I don't know how long. Not long. But anyway, my publisher at the time was McPhee Gribble, which consisted of Hilary McPhee and Diana Gribble. Now, Diana sadly died a couple of years ago, um, but I will never forget the day when Diana and I we're crossing Brunswick Street near. Is Rumbarella's still there? I'm well, not sort sure, of, sort I... of near the the Bun- Brunswick Street bookstore. Yeah, and we're crossing the road there. And and as we began to cross the road, Diana said to me, "I think it would be a good idea if those terrific letters that you write as number eight, because she'd seen some, um, could be put together somehow in in a book for writers. Wouldn't okay. that be a good idea?" And so by the time we reached the other side where Rumbarella's was or were, um, <laughs> we had decided that I would do a book of letters to oh. to it needed to be to one writer. And so, dear writer, and rather than sign the letters by Carmel Bird, I decided to sign them um, with another name, and the name I picked was Virginia. Uh, influenced by my admiration for Virginia Woolf, as oh, a matter of fact. Enough. Yes. That is great getting that story on the record because you realise <laughs> this is all podcast afterwards. Oh, sorry. Uh, they were extraordinary. McPhee Gribble, I mean, with Monkey Grip and then mm. Puberty Blues and later Cloud Street. Now, in the middle there, we've got, uh, well, not quite in the middle, but uh, in 1988, we've mm. got uh, Dear Writer. 
It sounds like uh, they both just had an incredible feel of mm. what was right for the time. Yeah, they, they um, were cutting edge. They were mm. going with the zeitgeist. They knew what they were doing. Because professional yeah. writing courses mm. were beginning to take off in the 80s. Were you involved in their setup at RMIT or even perhaps yes, earlier at Victoria I, College? I, I, both. Right. The, okay. It's hard to name an institution in Melbourne that you haven't taught that it. I haven't taught it. <laughs> but going back to the... Um, the beginnings of writing courses in Melbourne. Um, I'll tell you a little story. Good. In I think it was 1981. A friend of mine was teaching French at a thing called the Council of Adult Education. Oh, not well. And I also teach French. Ah. And he was going overseas. This friend and he said, "Would you take my class while I'm overseas?" Right. So I went into the Council of Adult Education. I taught French for a, a term or something. Yeah. And when it came to an end, the director of CAE, Council of Adult Education, called me into his office and he said, you're a very good teacher, which so nice. happens I am. Yeah. Um, and, Fair enough. And, um, take it from me. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, do you teach anything else except French because we haven't got a space for you to teach French? And I said off the top of my head, I said, oh, well, I could teach people how to write short stories. And he said, oh, I don't think anybody would be interested in that. And I said, well, let's give it a go. And he said, oh, all right. So I started (laughs) one of the very earliest, if not the first, courses in writing a short story in Melbourne. Now, Elizabeth Jolly was doing it in Perth. Yeah. I didn't even know that at the time. With students like Tim Winton. Yes, Mm. yes. Tim probably wasn't a student in 19... I'm not sure when Tim started studying. Well, they knew each other at uni, so... That's right. But, yeah, that that was in a... I don't know. Um, So I'm not saying I invented it or anything. But but it was very early on. Very, very early, and... It, that is how it came about. And mm. how many were in that first class, roughly? Did you get a big up intake? Yes, yes. The, I, I was proved right and he was proved yes. wrong. Um, and yeah. there would have been, well, about 18 or something oh, people yeah. who, who enrolled and we had a marvellous time. And I taught at the Council of Adult Education for ages. I can't remember how, look, yeah. I can't remember how long, but, but yeah. a thing that happened um, in 1980 six or seven was that at Deakin University which was then called Victoria College and it was in yeah. Glen Ferry Road. I remember well. It was the old yes. Rex Teachers College, became yeah, yeah. Victoria College. College. Yeah. And and teaching there in char in charge of of creative writing there in the late nineteen eighties was um Gerald Murnane. Of course, yes. Right. Yeah. And he needed someone else to teach some short story writing and he read my novel Cherry Ripe and wrote a very warm endorsement on that novel and employed me on the strength of Actually, on the strength of one sentence, he said at the time in Cherry Ripe. What was the sentence? The sentence was, Pearly... Power has eaten the daffodil. He thought that was a, a sentence that 
merited my going into the college to oh, teach that, people how to write. What a great story, because he is also, I believe, a recipient of the Patrick he White Literary Award. He received the Patrick White Literary Award, that is true, about Another five years writer. ago or something. Yes, well, we were colleagues then, yeah. and uh, we have continued to uh, be friends yeah, ever since. Right. Mm. Now, in the last 10 years, I know you go in and talk in universities. I'm not quite sure how closely you've been able to observe the changes, but have you noticed changes in the last oh, 10 years? Very, very obvious. How would the, you describe The changes. Them? Well, the universities have taken up the idea of what they call creative writing. I don't really know what that is, but anyway, <laughs> there's this thing. You, you will notice that I've been avoiding saying it all along. Oh, I hadn't uh, actually. But... Well, I had uh, been avoiding. And uh, so that now it's... Um, uh, well, I could call it very popular or yeah. I could call it a great revenue raiser mm. for the universities. Yeah. Um, both of those things, perhaps. Um um, well, it has been popular, but have you noticed uh, there's been some changes in the TAFE system as far as creative writing courses since how's that? 2009? Uh, contestable places in 2009 meant that courses, well, institutions could offer courses uh, of any type and number as long as they were able to fill them. Hmm. And in doing that, they thought, well, wouldn't it be a great idea to uh, just offer very popular subjects, not necessarily ones that would be vocational, as uh, TAFE traditionally did. Mm. And it seemed to be a good idea, but the bill uh, for TAFE from the state government went from something like, I've got to get this right, it's something like $800 million in around 2008 or 2009. It went up to $1.3 billion four years later by about 2012. Now, because of that uh, rise uh, due to contestable places, that wasn't intended, that was a no. fallout, mm. there were huge cuts to TAFE uh, across the board, across mm. Victoria, and a lot of the courses were actually wound up. And it wasn't so much that the institutions wanted to stop them, but people who already had qualifications, particularly if they had degrees, if they were to come and do a course at TAFE, instead of costing $800, as it did in 2008, it had become $8,000. So you lost that... Uh, a lot of dollars? Those, yeah, it just really went up tenfold. I'm not exaggerating there. It huh. went up in one year. So you lost that critical mass of really good mature age students, who I'm sure you mm. have, have taught, mm. and uh, the courses started to slide a bit. Now, the, the good ones are still going, of course, but quite good a few courses. have closed. Yeah, they are, with good mm. people running them. Mm. But uh, the oh. universities um, have picked up some of the students there, and the, mm. the, the courses are going quite well. Is that your experience, that the courses are flourishing at universities at the moment, the creative writing courses? I don't know, but I, I understand it to be so. Yeah. I can't really comment yeah um mm. oh well that's all right i, I was just wondering in terms of because we're both taught in the uh both the tafe and the oh yes. um university yes. system what i do these days yeah. is is um things like workshops for the faber academy for example now you've got one coming up I coming think, up in, in february, february the faber academy in melbourne great and i also give the odd workshop in 
writers' centres, like the Victorian Writers' Centre, I'm giving a workshop in... Now, I still do that too, Carmel. I still call it the Victorian Writers' Centre, but these oh, days it it's is called... Writing Victoria. Writers' Victoria. Is it Writers? Uh, yeah, Writers' Victoria. Writers' Victoria, okay. In the Wheeler Centre. In the Wheeler Centre, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's coming up Coming in, up early in next May. year. Yeah. It could be... I think it's February also. Yeah. I think they're both February. And then I'm doing one in... Hobart in March and in Canberra in April. Right. So you're, uh, you're getting around the country. Stuff like mm. that. Mm. Yes. We seem. Oh, yeah. that's great. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I'm talking with Carmel Burr. We're just winding up the interview for uh, the first edition of uh, the summer show of Published or Not. And um, her book is, now I've got to get this right, Carmel, The Dead Aviatrix. Have I got that? Uh, yes, I don't know eight, how to pronounce it, but uh, <laughs> people will understand. We can spell it. Eight yes. short stories, and it's published by Spineless Wonders as an e-book. It is only an e-book. You it's can't only buy an as e-book, a, as and a you get it from bag. Amazon. Okay. Or there are a number of other places, yeah. but Amazon's a good a, enough one. Are Spineless Wonders a specialist in e-books, or do they do print books as well? They do print. Oh, oh they, they do, do lots it. and lots okay. of print. Because there are a few mm. digital uh, specialist publishers, uh, such as, well, E.L. James was first published by the writer coffee shop in uh, Sydney before she went global and that's all they did then. I don't know if they do that now. But that's an increasing phenomenon of people um, publishing e-books and having them as special editions. Are you going to follow this up with the other eight stories for a kind of sequel to this oh, collection? Probably, probably, because I'm, I'm writing all the time. Right. So, Okay. Uh, and just finally, the Digital Short Story Awards that uh, that carry your name now, how do people find out about that award if they'd like to enter them? They can go to the Spineless Wonders website. Yes. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, it's and good. Oh, what I have to say is that yeah. there's a, a, a first prize of $3,000. Excellent. And mm. two prizes of $1,000 and and ebook publication, digital publication. Oh, that's fantastic. Three thousand dollars first that's a, prize. That's good. Thousand dollars each for uh, second yeah. and third. And I'm the only judge, Ooh. and so I would suggest to people if they want to know what this judge likes in writing, they might like to read Dear Writer Revisited, which is also that's an not ebook, a bad idea. but it's also a paperback. But also all uh, your short stories, just to get a sense of your humour and wordplay and how you put it together in such an entertaining way. So thank you very much for joining us this morning on Publish or Not Come. It was a great pleasure, you, and oh, thank it's, you. It's... You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.